Okay, so tonight I decided to talk about responsibility. Probably seems a bit weird considering I'm a teenager and I know not to have a lot of that. And it's quite ironic because I'm turning 18 this week. <laughs> but this year, as I've been trying to navigate my way through navigate my way through life post high school, it seems to be a word that keeps on coming up. I think, now I think in some aspects I'm definitely the definition of a responsible teenager. However, when it comes to being accountable or having an obligation towards something or someone, it becomes a bit unclear. Um, I think the most responsible things I've done all year is manage to successfully enroll myself in uni hand in all my assessments on time and do my taxes on exactly the license. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but just a few weeks ago, I faced probably one of the biggest responsibilities I've ever had. I'm studying nursing and I had my first clinical placement and I was in a dementia special care unit. Suddenly, I was responsible for 12 people with advanced dementia and that's not easy. I was responsible for making sure people eat, drink, walk, sit down, get dressed, go to the toilet, shower, make sure no one falls, or that they keep their oxygen pumps in, or that they don't rip their dressings off, and so on. Their whole life was in my hands, and as a 17-year-old, this is a feeling I had never experienced. Suddenly, the word responsibility seems to be going on a loop in my head. I've always held the truth that as a Christian, I have a responsibility to speak God's word, God's word to others around me, more specifically in my non-Christian circles. As Jesus famously says in the Great Commission, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. This command spurs on the first generation of Christians to go and spread the message and life of Christ, and this is a theme that continues throughout the rest of the New Testament. For example, Colossians 2 tells us to proclaim the mystery of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 says we are ambassadors for Christ. Ephesians 4 talks about building up the body of Christ. Romans 10 explains how people how can people come to Christ if they haven't heard the message of the gospel, and how can they hear it if no one tells them. Then there's the whole book of Acts, which is like evangelism on steroids. So I could go on, but I think you're getting the point. Throughout the Bible, there seems to be a theme that as Christians, we have a responsibility to serve as Christ did and lead people to God. However, there seems to be a great big gray area on how Christians are supposed to respond to this responsibility. The message of the Great Commission extends far beyond just to just the disciples Jesus is talking to and is far more than just some pure, hard words that Jesus decided to put together last minute. It is the beginning of Christianity as we understand it today and is the restoration of humanity's relationship with their creator. This is not just a command for the church as an institution or people who serve as missionaries in the most remote corners of the earth. This is a command that's directed to the heart of every individual believer. When our lives are full and rooted strongly in Christ, in our faith, our faith becomes almost in our faith it becomes almost second nature to want to stretch out and extend God's grace and goodness to others. But often this doesn't happen. 
Christians find themselves in a spiritual slumber through reading the Bible, praying, or going to church has just become part of a dry routine. Conversations are rid of all passion, and the response to God's great greatness is just eh. What once had been a fiery hunger for God has become normalized, and people spend their life, spend their time in spiritual isolation, no growth or continuation of their faith. This is why the Great Commission is so important. When you have become normalized to the routine of your faith, there leaves little room for personal development and growth. But when Christians partake in conversations about their beliefs, they are suddenly challenged. As high-stakes conversations are had with people from different backgrounds, beliefs, and walks of life, when they're experienced, someone's faith will either unravel or come alive. The Great Commission is not just about evangelism. It's also about maintaining the integrity of one's beliefs. The more our faith is questioned and the more we spend time dwelling upon what we actually believe, serves as what could be one of the most significant things we can do for our own spiritual growth. We can gain a much wider and greater knowledge of God than we could ever have in spiritual isolation. The more we actively participate in sharing our faith, the more we see our lives in better proportion. In my experience, it seems that many churches like to make you feel like you are all alone in your faith and that everyone is against Christianity. And that while it may in some circumstances be true, it isn't all the time. The whole point of having a body of believers at the church is so we are not alone. It is made to serve as a place where Christians can meet despite any guilt or brokenness and form relationships with one another. However, when we have the mentality that we are all alone and we see ourselves, we end up seeing ourselves at the centre of the universe. We picture ourselves doing all the big and important things for God's kingdom because everybody hates us and doesn't understand us, so we have to do everything because no one else is going to do it. But that's not the reality. At the end of the day, we are no more than just a drop in the ocean or one grain of sand on the beach. We aren't in the middle of everything, but rather sitting on the periphery doing our small part in a much bigger and greater God-sized plan. When we share our faith and listen to people's stories, we gain a greater understanding of the world we are living in, in God's design. Now, I'm not going to tell you how to evangelize or strategies for sharing your faith, because honestly, any piece of advice I've been given on evangelism has never worked out well for me. (laughs) Along with the fact that we are all different people, I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all strategy for evangelism. However, there is a difference between sharing your faith being God-driven versus self-driven. There are two aspects to it, intention and relationship. We need to be intentional in what we say, and that we are saying the truth, and that we are doing it for the glory of God, not for our own self-satisfaction. We need to be intentional in that we aren't trying to fix people. I think this has certainly become a narrative that is perpetuated throughout the church. Christians perceive themselves as saviors going out trying to fix everybody in society, which could not be any further from the truth. Sometimes people forget that we are still broken, weak, and sinful human beings. Yes, we've been given grace, but we still suck. I think that with this mentality also brings people to separate their lives into secular and spiritual sections. When you're surrounded by like-minded Christians, this becomes the spiritual section of your life, but when you're at work or at school or surrounded by non-Christians, this becomes your secular life, where you're responsible to talk about your faith. 
However, separating your life like this isn't how Christians are supposed to live. The Bible explains that the entirety of your life is to be lived in obedience to the Spirit, according to the Word of God. There are no separate parts of our life. It is all one and one to be lived for God. If our intentions are in the right place, then so should our relationships. Forming relationships is probably one of the most important parts about evangelism. We need to be actually interested in the people in their lives, not just their spiritual status. We need to walk alongside people, being there for them through the highs and the lows. It's human nature to have connections and relationships with one another. Most of us are, some of us are good at it, some of us aren't, but at the end of the day, our relationships form one of the most intimate and confronting ways we can share our faith. We have to be honest with ourselves and be prepared to fail. We will fail in our ability to share the gospel with boldness and clarity. We will fail to initiate. We will fail in our love. We will fail in our patience. We will fail to follow through. We will fail in our attention, intentions and in our relationships. We will fail because of our selfishness. But how is this any different to how we fail in our relationship with God every day? Somehow, in God's just and unrelenting power, he looked upon us in our broken, weak, and unworthy state and picked us up and called us his so we could call him ours. It sounds truly insane to say that there is a God who loves you so deeply he willingly laid down his life just so you could know him and have a relationship with him. It should not work. It shouldn't make sense, but somehow it does. I find it so hard to even begin explaining the true power and message of the gospel. Explaining the gospel to me is like trying to describe colour to a blind person. I think I know what it is, but when I'm asked to define it, I realise I'm talking about something too wonderful, beautiful and radical for me to fully know. Our gospel is a message about how all our brokenness, hopelessness and pain have been overcome, and this is the message we are called to spread. Our responsibility as Christians is not to let our lives become a dry routine where any hint of God's power disappears, but rather to live in a way that illustrates the meaning and nature of the gospel.